Hello, I'm Scott Winnell, and this is TW Now. Years ago, my family and I lived in the small college town of Laramie, Wyoming. Wyoming, like most western states, prides itself on its independence and celebration of their freedom. More than anywhere else I've lived, the western Rocky Mountain states seem to value their independence and their freedom. In this small town on Independence Day, July 4, the town puts on a big party known as Freedom as a Birthday. It's a lot of fun with games and bands and free ice cream. The finale of the day is a country western concert followed by a spectacular fireworks display. The freedoms afforded by laws and history of many western nations, include, including the U.S., have been a blessing, especially for God's people who are trying to worship Him in safety and in peace. And we should be thankful for these things. But freedom can have its own downside. The U.S. was founded on freedom. Freedom of religion, freedom of expression, and freedom from tyrannical rule. Most European nations today also highly value their individual freedoms. Freedom of movement. The freedoms afforded by a common currency and common laws. But what is freedom? The popular reality TV shows American Idol and European Idol highlight the talents of gifted young people who have the potential to become national idols because of their talents. This begs the question, what are our idols in society today? Has freedom become an idol for nations and people around the globe? What is happening to true freedom today? And where will this apparent worship of freedom lead us? Today, to help me answer some of these compelling questions and to delve deeper into the topic of freedom, we have two panel members. One, returning, Mr. Jonathan McNair. Mr. McNair is a minister, and in light of this program, uh, I want to let you know that he's lived around the world in a multiple different countries and brings from those experiences a unique perspective on freedom. Our other guest, and welcome Mr. Elliott, is Mr. Steve Elliott. He is a first-time person on this program, but we're glad to have you here. Mr. Elliott is a minister. Uh, in regard to this program, he's a former law enforcement officer, at one time charged with helping enforce the freedoms on the American and for the American public. He's also worked in Africa and in the Philippines. So gentlemen, it's wonderful to have you here today, and we're excited about the insights you're going to bring to the program. Before we get started, I just want to mention to our audience, if you have any questions along the way, please feel free to post them to us, and we'll do our best to try and address them. Okay, gentlemen, here's a question for you as we begin. As we think about freedom, how does mankind seem to view freedom today? And what are some of the results of mankind's attempts at freedom? Uh, thank you. Good to be back again. appreciate the opportunity. You know, I, I think, in all fairness, um, mankind has had a history of bondage. I mean, we recognize that throughout, throughout the, the centuries, really going back over thousands of years, we see that history of oppress, oppression and, and, and bondage. So, you know, it's perfectly logical to seek uh, freedom, uh, or I should say relief from oppression, and, and to seek freedom in, in that regard. But, I mean, I think the thing is that for what we're talking about today is that, unfortunately, man's um, quest for freedom has actually uh, coincided with, and I think in man's understanding, it's been also a quest not only for freedom in terms of, of what he wants to do, but it's also been a freedom from any dictates that are actually applied by, by, by God. 
and and that's where we've where we've gone astray. So it's understandable, and yet man's um, sought to distance himself from God as part of that quest for freedom. Mm -hmm. Mr. Elliot, what are your thoughts? You know, our Constitution uses that word a lot, and we have some things that we think of as freedoms that are built into this country, and we put those at a very high level. But today we seem to be fighting about those and what they actually mean, and that seems to be giving us less freedom, more, more antagonism, more hatefulness, more attacks on each other. And so when we're fighting for freedom, for something that we think is freedom that's not bringing us freedom, it's not working. Mm. It can be a frustrating situation. And most of us who are religious, read the Bible, look forward to a time when that's not going to be here. You know, I, I think sometimes in terms of, in terms of freedom, we, uh, we, we create a, an equivalency between freedom and, and, and rights. And in terms of, of rights, we have our Bill of Rights as, as a, an amendment to the Constitution. But you know, if you think about it, our, our perspective, when we think of rights, can be very inward-looking. In other words, it's what, what I get, what best uh, suits me, my opinion, my thoughts, my ways. And it, it can be a very selfish way of looking at it, um, as opposed to, if you think about freedoms as, as God explains in the Scriptures, they actually have to do with, with obligations and responsibilities towards other people, which produces then happiness and well-being, but it's a little bit of a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're told to treat the others just like we want to be treated. We're told that the other people have freedoms too, instead of just us. And when that's done, things work a whole lot better. Uh, yes. Let me ask, let's delve a little bit deeper. This, these, the concept of just us. When we think of freedoms today, what, what are some of the specific freedoms that mankind seems to be pursuing? So, for, for example, I think one of the things that has really, even a lot in the, in the news in our day and age, is the, the for example, the, the right of free speech. And, and, and this is, again, part of the problem. We can, we can place a value on freedom of speech that actually becomes, where well, that becomes an idol because that's so valuable to us mm -hmm. that that's more important. The right to be able to say whatever we want and, uh, and, and it doesn't matter what the impact is on other people, you know, th that, that's so valuable to us um, compared to actually loving our neighbor and, and caring about how that impacts other people. That's, that's how this, this issue of being an idol, I think, be, uh, uh, comes along. And, and I would say that's an example of this freedom of, of right, a right of, uh, well, of speech. So we can say whatever we want without regard to other people. Mm. There's a big fight in this country right now over gun control. And there are multiple sides to that. There are those people that like to shoot targets and there are those people who like to hunt and then there are those who think those are totally ridiculous ideas why would you want to do that they don't understand it they don't agree with it and the two sides seem to have a lot of trouble finding any common ground but it's dividing us and then there are people like politicians who want to use that argument to polarize people to get votes for themselves power for themselves without any actual thought of whether that hurts others in the country, whether that does something good or bad for the country. Mm. And again, as you said, Jonathan, that this is something that's all about self and no thought for the other person 
or what it's doing for our society. You know, this is the thing with rights, too. I think that when we think in terms of rights, then we can begin to, to demand that other people are willing to accept our worldview. And, and, and that demand, we, we look, it's a freedom for us. But actually, mm -hmm. if we think about it, we're actually then removing the freedom from somebody else by demanding. I mean, I think about it. If, if I'm playing my music in my apartment, uh, I, I demand that I be, I'm able to play that as a right as loudly as I want. And the fact that it bothers you, that's not my problem because I want to play that music loud. And we can take that in terms of religion and speech and all kinds of different areas. But the whole concept of, of valuing our rights as paramount, I, mean, I think that's what, what drives wedges between people because ultimately everybody can't have what they want as opposed to a perspective of having an obligation to, to make sure you have a comfortable evening without my music coming through your walls. But doesn't that curtail my freedoms? If, if, if I have to think about you and I can't do what I want to do, isn't that limiting my freedom? Exactly. Well, we all have freedoms. I brought up gun control here. Years ago, I was taught that in, in the West, you could go out into the West and you could shoot a gun or a rifle in any direction you wanted to until somebody else was over there. Somebody else had moved in, and then you no longer had the right to shoot in that direction because they had the right to be safe. Now, maybe that's an extreme example, but I think that's what you were saying with the music. All of these rights are ours to use as long as nobody else is adversely impacted. That includes things that we say, that includes how we act, how we take care of our home, live in our neighborhood. It includes many things. But we seem to be in a time when everybody wants to not, I shouldn't say everyone, I'm sorry, when many people seem to want to ignore that and want to do whatever comes into their mind at the moment. I, I think this is a big part of it. In other words, it's having a sense of, of, of rights and my demands versus obligations and responsibility for your well-being and my neighbor's well-being you know when we when we with a perspective like that um, that's where we end up going off track and um, uh, you know godly perspective is thinking of the other person first esteeming others better than ourselves and others thinking about about others as as you're as you're mentioning um, when somebody is over there in that direction shooting in that direction is potentially harmful. Um, laws, a lot of the laws of, uh, that we think in our nation really are, are meant to, uh, to protect each other. So I might say I have the freedom to drive as fast as I like down the, the interstate. I saw something yesterday in the news about a congressman who was uh, taken to task because uh, in his mind he could drive, actually I think it was in Arizona, uh, he could drive 130 miles an hour down the interstate and that was okay, he, as long as you know, he wasn't harming, as long as he wasn't, uh, nobody was in, in view. But, you know, ultimately, if you think that way, you're going to trample on somebody else's, potentially even their, their, their safety. So it, this perspective is, uh, I think, what's, what's at odds here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me, I want to share a quote with you and just hear your reaction or thoughts to it. Uh, this comes from Christianity Today, April 17, 2018. The title of the article is How Freedom Became an American Idol. And the, the comment is, once a people view themselves as their own highest authority, whatever they most value becomes their God, and that God will rule their nation. What do you think about that? What are your reactions to that? Well, again, 
When a person makes their own rules and decides what the standards are, they do set themselves up as their own God, and there's nobody else higher than that. Mm. We've come to a time when there's no authority that can tell any of us what's right or wrong, because everybody has an opinion, and everybody's opinion is considered just as good as anybody else's opinion. And that leads to chaos, that leads to anarchy, and that leads to a destruction of society. Mm. You know... Um, God has given us freedom of choice. In other words, he gave us that, that freedom, didn't he? He gave us freedom of choice. He, he told Adam and Eve, of you can, you can eat from this tree and not from this, or you can eat from all the trees, actually, of the garden, but not this one. In other words, we, he has given us freedom of choice, but he hasn't given us the freedom to determine right and wrong. Because only he is, is, is able, as God, to determine that it's, for example, that it is wrong to murder someone, he says that is bad. You can't, you can't change that. You don't have the freedom to be able to, to, uh, to, uh, to, to change that into something else. He says that is, that is the way it is. Right. Now, we have the freedom of choice to be able to determine whether we're going to live that way or not. And that's, that, that's a freedom we have. But um, as I think the quote is talking about, we take for ourselves freedoms that are not, not ours. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you just a quick clarifying question uh, for our audience's sake. Can one of you define what an idol is or what idolatry is? Because we're throwing around this term. We're, we're uh, postulating that, uh, and actually we're not the only ones. Many of these authors that we've been looking at uh, are talking about how freedom has become an idol for our Western society. But what, what is an idol? What is idolatry? It's anything we bow down to. It's anything that we put above everything else. And right now we're talking about God. So it's anything that we put above or in place of God that we listen to, that we follow, that we devote our time to. I think the American Idol show is a good example of it in practical terms because, in other words, what we're, the, the term it describes is American Idol is a star. Someone who is famous, right? And, and, and how does that apply to American culture today? Well, um, I think especially young people, but all of us. We, we admire people who are famous. And so what happens? Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody famous, somebody who's a pop star or an athletic star or something, when they wear a particular type of shoe or they uh, use a particular type of phrase, you know, that becomes then popular. Why does it become popular? Why, is it, why, why do people follow that? It's because, because they are seen as an, quote, idol, someone to follow after. So, and so um, I think that the term in our common parlance really has to do with, with someone or something that we give credence to mm-hmm. and we follow. And as, as was mentioned, we're, we, we bow down to, we defer to in a way that creates a, a, a high value above, above all else. Okay. Let me, let's move us on here. Um, another question for you. <clears throat> and actually, before I get to that, I want to just welcome our audience. If you're just joining us on TW Now, it's good to have you here with us today. We're talking about freedom. And uh, is, is freedom an idol? Has it become an idol in our Western society? Question for you, gentlemen, is... As we think about freedom, what is true freedom as defined by the Bible? And how might that differ from humanity's uh, definition or definitions of freedom? What is true freedom? Well, it's, um, it's almost like the definition of true success. What is true success? 
it's not just getting your own way and having the most money. It's having a happy, successful, loving, complete life in balance with everyone around you, your family, your friends, your community, your country. And that's freedom also. It's freedom to live in a way where you don't feel threatened and your family and children don't feel threatened. And you have the opportunity to live, to study, to learn, to go to school, to have a job and a peaceful environment. Those things work hand in hand, I think. You know, if we look at the scriptures, as you said, uh, we read in the scriptures about uh, freedom from the bondage of sin. So through Christ's sacrifice, we have freedom from that guilt and the bondage of sin. Um, we have uh, freedom through the scriptures from deception. You know, God outlines with the, within his scriptures, he outlines truth. He establishes truth and, and ways of thinking and living that actually free us from deception. Uh, so those are some ways that uh, I think freedom is defined as well. You just talk about freedom of deception. Why, why is that important? Okay, I, I think as an example, uh, I think uh, we can be deceived into thinking, as an example, a very common uh, political and really a moral issue today, is we can be deceived into thinking that it is okay to ki kill a child in our womb. You know, that's, that is a deception, uh, and God establishes the reality, the real, the truth is, no, that human being inside our body is, is not, we, we cannot kill that human being. That being, that being has their own freedom, you might say, to live as, as, as one conceived. So, um, I say deception, but it, it is, there are many people who are deceived into thinking that is okay, when in reality, the scriptures say, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, where people today don't like the word sin. Sin seems to be something that's good, that's denied from us. But really, the definition of sin can be that which doesn't work. Things that work right are not sin. Breaking things that, that uh, living in a way that doesn't work then, that works against you, against society, against other people, that's proscribed and we're told not to do that. So again, this is part of the concept of freedom, a way that does work best for everybody. God explains, and he says, stay with that. And if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself, and he calls that sin. Yeah. You know, there's a, a, a good example, I think, here, too, in terms of even, let's say, in the, in the scriptures about, uh, about freedom. I think it's just, it's just a, a really a fascinating place. And that when we go to Leviticus 25, it talks about the seventh year land Sabbath. And then it talks about the Jubilee year. And, and when you read uh, the, the references here in Leviticus 25, beginning in verse 8 and 9 and 10, and through this section, when you read about this, you read about, really, in this case, it's freedom from financial ruin. So we find every 50 years, according to God's uh, law within Israel, they, there was this relief from debt, a freedom from, from the burden of debt that might be a result of perhaps financial decisions or perhaps beyond an individual's control or not. But God had built into his system this apparatus for actually um, allowing people to experience freedom. And uh, with even financially, and just one sliver of life, right, right there, which I think is is, is really a fascinating example. Yeah, I want to try something. I want to go somewhere with this, and, and play with this concept a little bit more. As we think about freedoms, 
one of the things we're thinking about is freedom from the consequences of sin. This is part of where sin ties in. When you, when you think about freedoms and uh, where the world is going with many of their wishes with freedom, what are some of the consequences of those decisions? Or, or put another way, maybe um, if, if we would go God's way more often, what are some of the negative consequences of those perceived freedoms that would begin to disappear? Mm -hmm. Mr. Elliott, do you have a thought? Okay. Many years ago when I was a young man, I attended a police academy in Southern California. And in one of the law classes, they told us that the only reason that we have the relative peace and stability in this country that we do is because everybody agrees that they want it. Mm. They are living in a way that produces that because that's what they want. And they warned us as young rookie cops that there aren't enough police or even military in the country to force people to do something they don't want to do. So there was a culture and there was an agreement and a stability that produced peace and that produced freedom. It produced a freedom for us to do many of the things that we wanted to live in a way I've already mentioned. God's laws do that even more so because God's laws are perfect. God knows what really does work for us and how to make our families, our generations better, generation after generation, and how to treat each other well so that we are happy and content living in society. Those things are all good, and I don't see any negatives that come from living by God's standards. You know, you think about some of the freedoms of the in, in the mankind wants in our society today, and I think as an example, uh, I'll say we as a people want easy freedom from, for example, marriage. So we want you know, no-fault divorce, for example. We want the ability to, if we don't, you know, we don't like our mate anymore, we can just walk away. And I'm saying, I'm, I'm taking pain with a broad brush here, but the reality is we divorce and, and adultery. This is a, a common part of our society. So, you know, you know the, the, the opposite is that so many good things of life actually require obligation. Uh, they, they require a giving up of freedom. They require responsibility, which implies literally giving up of, of, of selfish freedoms. Mm -hmm. Marriage, uh, raising children. We were talking, uh, Mr. Elliott has uh, grandchildren on the, on the way here, and uh, so, you know, be, raising children, that requires actually giving up of your own freedoms in order to benefit them. But that's a good thing in life. Some of those best things in life require that. Yeah, thinking of <coughs> divorce as, an, as what you just sort of mentioned, uh, many of us have experienced divorce. And when we think about that, it's easy to think, oh, you, you, once you get divorced, you're free from uh, the, the burden of this marriage and the obligations that come along with it, etc. And, and there are certain situations where uh, there's violence and things like that, which uh, people need to get out of. But in many cases, we don't think about the ramifications of that divorce, where there is a legacy that's left for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, who are still going to experience something that may have happened decades beforehand, way before they even lived. It's interesting to me to think about the consequences of sin uh, that we're talking about. We're talking about two different definitions of freedom, aren't we? There's one definition that says, I get to do whatever I want to, and I don't care what anybody else wants. 
But there's another definition that I really prefer. I have the freedom now of seeing my grandchildren grow up and be with them because I have a loving relationship with my wife and my adult children. And so it's, it's a freedom for me to spend time, sometimes babysitting like yesterday, with a couple of the grandchildren. Sure, it takes my time, but it's also a blessing and it's a nice thing, a very enjoyable time to be together. And that is a freedom to me. And, and this is why I, I'm of the opinion that we have in this country, we have placed such a high value uh, on freedom that we're willing to give up the benefits of healthy marriage, healthy families. We're, we're willing to say, no, it's more important that I have my freedoms. And isn't that an idol? You know, at its core, isn't that, that, a, that an idol of, of them by itself? Yeah, let's, let's go on to another question here, because this is going to push us into uh, the future. As we think about it, we, we understand that Jesus Christ is going to return to the earth. The Bible makes that plain. Mankind will not continue in his own society forever, indefinitely. Uh, when Christ returns, what will the world look like? How will the world one day experience true freedom? What will, what will that experience be like for the world? Hmm. Uh, you, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be facing a time, and it looks like every day we become more, uh, seems we become more familiar with chaos every day that goes forward. And, and uh, according to the scriptures, we're going to be facing a time where this world comes apart at the seams. And, uh, but we can look forward to a time with the return of Jesus Christ when he's going to establish peace He's going to establish uh, harmony and, and true freedom where people will be able to live in, in happiness but with, with his laws that will establish what's right and wrong so there will not be freedom to harm or to hurt or to destroy or to bring destruct, destruction. We see more and more people now claiming freedom and what I see is people more unhappy they claim freedoms that they say they want, but it doesn't seem to make them happy. They seem to be more frustrated, angry, some cases hateful and striking out at other people, even when they have those so-called freedoms. And as you said, scripture says this is only going to get worse. And finally, Jesus Christ is going to come and force everybody who remains to live by certain standards, standards that are good for everybody, not just for the individual. And it's going to be a wonderful time. There's a scripture that I particularly like. It's in Isaiah 60 and verse 18. And it says this will be a time with no more destruction, no more violence. And that's because of verse 16 when it says, I, the Lord, am your Savior. And as you said, this will be a time when people won't have to fear because everything will be peaceful and everything will be free because they won't be threatened by someone else. You know, we, mankind has suffered throughout history under destructive despots. Uh, and, and we've, in our recent age, you might say, since the time of the Enlightenment, we've come forward to the time where we have seen as a savior systems of government that uh, seem to enshrine freedoms. I say seem to because I think we're seeing the fruits, the, the seeds of our own destruction are built into systems that were put into place as if they were the, uh, the, the 
fi the final solution that would bring peace and happiness to all mankind. But in re reality, we see as, instead they, they have brought us to this this point. So, so we're, we're seeing one more failed attempt on mankind by mankind to to govern himself. In this case, holding up these freedoms that ultimately would tear us apart. Mm -hmm. But looking forward to the to the future, um, we have we have uh, a hope of a better way. You've both mentioned how in God's kingdom his law is going to be there. It's going to give us that backbone, that structure for morality that freedoms are going to be based on. One of my favorite scriptures in the word of God is James 1.25 that talks about how God's law, it actually labels God's law as a perfect law of liberty, a law of freedom. It's, it's the freeing law uh, contrary to what so much of the world thinks about today. And conversely, there's a scripture that says uh, it's in a man's heart. Whatever comes into a man's heart actually hurts them. Mm. And that we can't, of our own, figure out what's best for us. That only comes from God. We have to get to the place where we actually listen to God and choose his way. And when we do, then we learn what does work. We learn what does make us free and what makes us happy and successful. Mm. I just like to challenge our audience and say, you know, to, to actually think about this because we can, I think we can all put our freedoms um, so high without even thinking about it uh, that, that we actually are not willing to come under the direction of God. Mm -hmm. um, are we willing to? Are we willing to say, well, God says this in his word, so I'm going to choose to live that, that way. And um, we can read it as a matter of just learning about, in terms of just ingesting knowledge, mm -hmm. without ever making the choice to give up our, our freedom, you know, our selfish desires, and, 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 and obey God. And I think, I think that's a challenge that uh, is, is, is worth um, addressing to anyone who, who claims that they're a, a lover of God. Hmm. Interesting thought. We have to give up to gain. And there's a benefit of giving up. It's, that's counterintuitive, sure. isn't it? It's counterintuitive, but when we get there, we find out we're not giving up anything. We're learning, and we're gaining, because that's the only way we can, because we can't come to the answers on our, on our own. Mm. Yeah. Gentlemen, we are running out of time here. Uh, it's been fun. It's, talking about God's plan, talking about the answers. Mankind has searched for these answers for so long, and they're here in this ancient textbook that we have. Let me ask you, as we wind down, um, what do you want to leave the audience with today? What are some of the take-home points, or a take-home point, that you want to leave them with today? I think we have to, first of all, accept that there is a creator God who made and designed everything, and therefore he knows how it works. And if we want to know how it works and how it works well, we have to go to him and listen to him. Yeah, I, would, I would echo that. We, we, have, we have a choice, and um, we need to choose, choose freedom, godly freedom, which includes responsibility towards our fellow man. We're told to love God and love our man, love our fellow man, and that has to be paramount. And our freedoms then are fit within that love and concern for fellow man. Hmm. So, are you suggesting that we put other people before ourselves and before our own desires? I, I think that's the godly way. 
In other words, um, that's a whole perspective. If we're thinking of, of others before ourselves, this is what uh, Christ taught. You know, he said he did not uh, put his own desires. In fact, it says he says I, he, he actually was willing to do what the Father wanted him to do and what the plan was for the benefit of other people. And if we, if we do things and we think for the benefit of other people um, and we live that way, we actually reap positive benefits. That's, that's the godly way. Hmm. Well, gentlemen, thank you for being on the program today. Thanks for taking time to discuss this topic. As we wind down here, freedom is a value that seems to be embedded in the hearts and the minds of humanity. It seems like it's almost part of our DNA. Yet our human attempts to find and pursue freedom have not led to the utopia we've hoped for. As we've seen on the program today, humanity's quest for freedom has led to a state of near worship of personal choice and the false belief that operating outside of the laws of God is somehow liberating. But as we've discussed, true freedom is not unending personal choice. It's rather found when operating under the guidelines given to us by our loving Creator. True freedom is derived from keeping His Ten Commandments. His perfect law of love for us truly is a perfect law of liberty, or a perfect law of freedom. To learn more about the topic that we've talked about today, True Freedom, we encourage you to watch our telecast entitled, What is Freedom? And you can find that, you can stream it or download it at tomorrowsworld.org. For more encouraging news about the future and insights into society today, please stay tuned to TW Now each week. We look forward to seeing you again next time.